Welcome to It Just Makes Sense, a podcast by two easily distracted, higher educated former lovers that explores all of the unpopular opinions, conspiracy theories, and cult leaders that make you want to scream, It Just Makes Sense. I'm Sam Smith. And this week, we do not have Jeff Seifert. Thank God. But I brought in someone funnier, more beautiful, better than I could ever imagine for a co host. Evangeline McClure. Hello, everybody. And yes, Sam and I were also former lovers. <laughs> and I was a better Jeffrey. I try to go with the theme, you know? Gotta find people who match the description. Well, it's 2023. We're decentering from men and nobody's allowed to be that straight anymore. Oh, thank God. So this week's episode, I try to find a case that I thought you'd be very interested in. But first I was thinking, killer nurse, maybe a snapped episode since we're decentralizing men from our lives. But I started to go a different route. I'd like to bring in your medical background to provide some insight throughout the case. But we're going to be going over accused, guilty or innocent, entitled attempted murder or protective mother. Guilty. I mean, hot take. All right. Hot take. So the episode starts like so many other in the true crime world. And it starts with a 911 call from hospice. Is that like a normal thing for a hospice to call 911? No. Like, I feel like if you're a hospital, do hospitals call 911? So, well, hospice is different. You can be home with hospice. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. And like that, but like. So sometimes we'll get people who come in with hospice and you're like, why did they come in? Yeah. But it can be like for a fall and they like might break a hip. Yeah. But like because it'll improve your life, we'll we'll give you surgery and fix your hip. Oh, really? And then send you back home on hospice. Yeah, like hospice doesn't mean you're like super instantly dying. Right, right, right. Doesn't have to anyway. Yeah. My grandma came out of hospice twice. Oh, resilience. I was like – and each time they're like, this is it. Say goodbye to grandma. And then it was like three months later, they're like, she's back. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Exactly. Cool. <laughs> and then sometimes we're like, we're going to go on hospice right now and yeah. say your goodbyes. <laughs> so it's just really hard to it's tell just- what's going to happen. So hospice is calling 911 and they're saying they have a child in their care with a terminal diagnosis that is severe malnutrition they said that the mom had been repeatedly asking if they can give her son colby something to make him go to sleep and not wake up this was happening in cleburne texas ever been no thank you okay i get it i feel you (laughs) and we learned that mother danita is facing allegations of child abuse and child starvation It sounds like Munchausen by proxy, and they were saying that Danita faked her child's illness and convinced doctors to perform surgeries that were medically unnecessary. Now, did you ever think, I should say to the audience, Evangeline is a nurse. Have you ever thought that they were performing an unnecessary surgery on someone? Um, I don't know. It depends. People definitely get a say to back surgeries, though, like... I would never. I will literally let my spine really into a fine powder before I would go under the knife for a neurosurgery. Why? They just like people are like, well, my my whole lower body was numb before the surgery, so it's the same. <laughs> like then, what did we do? Like now you're just 
Yeah, I no thanks. Interesting. Good to know. Thank you for the pro tip. Free to the public now. Yeah, pro tip. Don't so- get back to <laughs> So we meet Terry Moore, who's the lead defense attorney on this case. She's reviewing the different charges being brought against Anita. The first two are saying that she fabricated symptoms to get doctors to perform surgeries that were unneeded and that injured Colby. The third count is saying that she starved Colby and the fourth is attempted murder. When Danita is told of her charges by her attorney, she collapses crying. She couldn't imagine ever trying to harm her, chi- harm her child. So she claims. Liar. Then we meet Danita Tut. She's facing life in prison for these charges and is currently out on $25,000 bail. Do you think that you could, I've asked Jeff this before too, do you think that you could like live a normal life while being on ba- like out on bail for like three years for life and murder charges? Like you don't know. I know. Life in jail. You don't know if you're going to go to prison for the rest of your life. You're I just would, living. No, I would try to escape for sure. But- <laughs> Like, I would go find somewhere that would not extradite me, and I would, like, ride a shipping container over there because I remember, like, when Orange and <laughs> That Zoom was in- not the answer I was expecting. <laughs> I thought you'd be like, I just turned myself in. I would just commit suicide. I don't no, know what like, I would when do. No, like, when Orange is the New Black was, like, yeah. the best show on TV, like, I was just like, I would fucking die if someone just tried to tell me what to do all day long. I think I could survive in jail you would, because I would become someone bitch immediately and then I would just like hide behind would, my bed. I think you would make someone your bitch. Really? I could like, you'd go back to that half head shave. And, like, <laughs> you would have some kind of like ring that you were in power of. I feel like, or I would be that person that was like best friends with the CEOs. You know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. I'd be that person. You have to be careful with that though. I mean, yeah, I'm going to get attacked by them. Most likely essayed, but you know what? Ugh. What are you going to do? What's the they're alternative? Gonna, they're going to slide me cake. That's true. They're going to slide me Doritos. Yeah, you have to be careful. They <laughs> slide you a little something else, too. I don't know. Prison's so, scary. I I'd know. Not go. Well, yeah, I'm never going, but. Because <laughs> we would escape. <laughs> <laughs> so, Danita is talking about how. She was showing videos of Colby right after he was born in the NICU, and she's explaining how after birth she wanted to hold Colby so badly, but it was three to four months before she could even hold him. When they were finally able to bring him home, they brought him home on a heart machine, he was on oxygen, and he was only nine inches long. That just seems impossibly small to me. That feels like a worm. Right? Like Like very small little. Nine inches? Nine inches is like not long. I mean, don't do that to a guy. (laughs) Thought that they were. Um. (laughs) But she knew that having, like, she knew he was going to be pretty much sick for their, like, he was going to have consistent health problems. Like, if you're having a child that was that ill, that was born, she knew she was, he was going to struggle with health issues his whole life. What year was this? When was he born? You know what? You're asking questions that I just don't have the answers to at the moment. 2015. Oh, uh, so in wait, this is two thousand. Trying to think, like, man, I'm surprised you weren't. You wouldn't be in the NICU for like eight months or something like right? that, right? If they thought the baby was really gonna live, yeah. I don't think they would let you bring it home. Well, he did live. What kind of quality of life <laughs> was it, really? Though <laughs> he's still alive. Oh, okay, good. Good for Colby. Good you for know? Colby. All we'll right, talk Colby. about that at the end. So, um. 
And so, but the whole thing was like, she claimed that every time she kind of turned around, doctors were essentially telling her like, you need to prepare for his imminent death. Like this time around, he's not going to get out of the hospital. Like he kept going back in for surgeries or going in for illnesses or whatever. And they'd be like, this is it. Mm -hmm. And then he would kind of pull out of it and go home because Danita wouldn't give up. So Colby now, during the show, was 15 years old, okay? And over the past 15 years, he had been under constant medical supervision and has had 17 operations. Oh, my God. He has had heart issues, low bone density, issues with his kidneys, gastroreflux disease, and he has to take several medications just to go to the bathroom. His GI system doesn't want to work properly, and it never will. In 2015, Colby's stomach and colon issues worsened, and he became dangerously malnourished. He had two surgeries to try and improve those conditions, but they were unsuccessful. The doctors told Danita that there was nothing was working for Colby and they had reached the end of their rope. There were no more surgeries that they could perform and it's time now for him to go into hospice. It was in hospice that Danita was alleged to have starved and attempted to murder Colby. So now we're about nine months to her trial. Danita is meeting with her attorney and they're going over strategies of the case and whether or not Danita should stand trial. Do you think that people who are going like against trial should be their own witness? What are your thoughts on that? I always say don't stand trial. Don't? Yeah. Just leave a little bit of mystery. Yeah. (laughs) Because they always like it's never good. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so you're gonna right gonna make you say something. Yeah, yeah. So they always say, don't. "I think that's good advice." Right? Would I take it? <laughs> you time. would never. You would want. You'd be like, "I'm telling my story. I will get through to these I, people." <laughs> I would be like, "Do not put me on the Wait, stand." I would just cry if people are coming oh at me. God, I, I would cry. I get pulled over for anything. Yeah, anything. Tears. Waterworks. And they Sobbing. don't care. They literally don't care. They're I like, know, sometimes. License and registration. I have gotten out of three tickets in my life. Well, you also have large breasts. Yeah. <laughs> That's not wrong, but I usually don't pull them out for the officers. Except for this one time. <laughs> I can't. So, Okay. Wait, I'll, wait, let me just talk about this male nutrition thing for yeah. one second. Yeah, okay, continue. Because, like, so when people's GI, like, stops working, yeah. we literally do what's what's called TPN, mm-hmm. parenteral nutrition, and, like, you have a central line that goes into your heart, and you just have to have all your nutrients given to you through an IV bag, basically. And we have a lady who's had a triple lumen. Really? IJ, which is, like, literally sticks out of her neck and goes right to her heart for, like, nine years. And she just hangs up her own TPN and... And she doesn't eat solid food? No. Gastric bypass. They go bad all the time. Story for another podcast, though. And then they can't eat solid food? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? No, I, I could know. not imagine. The repercussions. Almost as bad as prison. Uh, honestly worse. <laughs> honestly worse. To my eyes. Yeah. Oh, that stinks. I mean, I, I know. know you shouldn't center food in your life, but... Oh, it's like... The best, yeah. though. <laughs> like, what else is there? You have, like, food and sex. That's all we have. That's all we have. Oh, my God. Okay. So, they're ta- her attorney's warning her that the prosecution is going to, like, attack her. Attack her ability as a mother. Things that will destroy her to her core. So, Danita's main accuser is Connie, the owner of the hospice that cared oh. for Colby. 
They have an affidavit from Connie, and in it, Connie states, We determined that this child both desired and could tolerate solid foods and fluids and had minimal reports of pain. His mother refused to have food or drink supplied to Colby, stating that his eating would only prolong the inevitable. Danita is claiming that this is what Connie had told her, that eating and drinking was going to prolong the inevitable, and... Like, yeah, of course it would, obviously. It's not prolonging the inevitable. It's keeping a human alive. Yeah, when we put people in hospice and comfort, you let them eat whatever the Right. So I kind of like raised my eyebrows at Danita because she's like, I didn't know what prolonging the inevitable meant. Ma'am, it's still a child, so it's still negligence at least. Like you have to feed. So I was like so confused by that statement by her. But then the further in the affidavit, Connie's statement reads, prior to moving Colby into our hospice suite, mother and father purchased a casket and headstone for Colby and made all the funeral arrangements for him. But like at the same time, hear me out. They were going into hospice. Right. I feel like. They planned you, for the worst. Now, did they, right. put, did they put the end date on right. the No, show? I don't think so. Because <laughs> like, if they did that. But then like Danita said, we wouldn't have, because like. I will say she does seem comes off like a small town mom. Like, you know what I mean? Like she's not coming in like super authoritative and like no, like seems like she has her shit together. She's coming in like she's from a small town area. She doesn't know much about the world. You know what I mean? And she said, she's like, I wouldn't have even known what to do or what steps to take to make the arrangements if it wasn't for Connie. She's the one who guided us through that process and told us what to do and how to make them. Which like as a director of hospice does make sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? So then I'm like, who's telling the truth here? That's true. I mean, Who's yeah, a liar? Do, you should guide people through that. Right. Stuff. They don't know. They're like, what do I do Right, I'm exactly. Like, okay, step one, pick a funeral home. Right. Or like, whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Danita also said that Connie would repeatedly say, I'm in control. We advise what the parents do, but I have the final say. So if this parent's saying, don't feed my child, bitch, you just said you have the final say. Conundrum. Conundrum. Connie conundrum. Connie conundrum. So Connie is also claiming that on many well-documented occasions, Danita asked asked the staff if there was just something that they could give Colby so that he could go to sleep and not wake up. Danita is claiming she did not mean that. She meant was, was there something that they could give Colby so he wouldn't be in pain just for like a day? Like something that would put him to sleep so he couldn't feel the pain that he was in. She said that she was told when he gets into hospice, they would take care of him so he wouldn't feel any pain. But he was feeling everything and she wanted the pain to end. Yeah, usually people get like morphine a lot. Right, right. So for like, sure. But there's like, okay, so there's a difference between like comfort care and hospice. Right, right. Because like, you can live on hospice for a long, long time, right? And then like comfort care is like we're doing, we're literally just keep, we're giving you pain meds yeah. until you pretty much, right. pretty imminent at yeah. that point. Right. Um, And, but yeah, so if he... Is near the end. Is near the end, and he wanted morphine. Right. So I'd give it to him, but like also like, I'm so confused. His diagnosis was malnutrition. Like, right. That's what. Uh, that's not a. Di- that's <laughs> not real. You can like have a failure to thrive. We just like can override it, which we would absolutely do in a child. If that 98 year old doesn't want her fucking insure, right? I'm not like- worried about it. <laughs> So the affidavit went on to say that if intervention did not occur for Colby, that the child would have died prematurely. 
So Connie is definitely going to get into that courtroom and get on that witness stand and say Danita was trying to kill him. And Danita is just stunned. She can't wrap her head around wanting to harm her own son. Colby's currently 15 years old and living at home with Danita, her fa- his father Clint, and his younger brother Colton. Her Danita didn't want her husband and her sons to get filmed, so they're not on camera during this. And she knows like what is being said about her, and she's nervous with the jury that the jury's gonna be like blindsided and then she won't get a fair trial. What I think is wild too, and we'll kind of talk about it further in here, is that like he's she still has custody of him. Like if you think that she is on trial for attempted murder, you he they literally gave him back to her. That just speaks but, to our system. Right? <laughs> So her attorney truly believes that Danita is innocent, but now it's how to bring this forward to a jury without being too subjective. One thing the attorney does mention is that like, okay, if the count three is you're saying that Danita starved her son, that this child must have spent most of his life under, or had spent most of his life under hospital care. These accusations are coming from when he was under hospital care. So was the hospital starving him? Like, was it neglect on their end? How did he end up malnourished while under doctor's care? Like, it's kind of what you were saying. Like, right. And you know what? Can hospitals override medical proxies? Like, if she's his medical proxy, can they still override that? In the, I believe in the case of children. And, like, the best like, interest of the child? Yeah. yeah. Like, you can't refuse care on, like, someone perfectly healthy who's incapable of making their own decisions. Right. Like, yeah, there's, like, there's ethical committees and stuff like that yeah. for that. But, like, okay. especially in a child, like, right. we're going to do everything. Like, you can't make a child a DNR, DNI. Oh, um, really? Maybe if they have, like, a, t- a terminal illness. But, like, yeah. until you're old enough to make that medical decision for you, you couldn't do that for... Oh, interesting. It makes sense. I think, anyway. I mean, yeah. I, can't, I can't imagine that it's different than that. Right. Now, the next thing the attorney says does make sense. If the counts for one... Of one and two, which is having surgeries that were unneeded, it does not appear from what I'm seeing that Danita, like I was saying, is very like cunning or smart enough to be deceptive. So what if if the doctor did these surgeries and now when being pressured on if they were needed, they're not going to take the – like if you were to go to a doctor and say, you performed the surgery on this person do you believe that it was necessary or unnecessary they're not going to put them throw themselves on the stake right. like the attorney's like they're always going to blame someone else if they're being pressured on it and like almost all surgeries are elective right <laughs> like even when it's like appendicitis right or like, like the doctors are more likely to throw janina under the bus than and say she lied and manipulated them than to say like it was our fault yeah that definitely doesn't surprise me right some doctors i'm sure are like cut happy yeah Or like, you know, like, oh, well, maybe like this hernia is what's causing the pain. Like, we'll go in and fix it. But like, especially if they're going to get a payout from insurance. Right. Right. Yeah. So then we meet Danita's parents and they're shocked. They can't believe these charges. They said that Danita has done nothing but care for her children. And then we find out her dad did 40 years with the local PD. He was actually an investigator. And he was like, if you're going to investigate a situation, that investigate it from top to bottom. Because they ain't doing that right now. No. So the defense is going to go through each charge and try to find supporting evidence to debunk it, essentially. They're going to first start with examining the allegations of unnecessary surgeries. But the defense is worried because, like, 
the accusers, it's going to be doctors. So juries are always going to believe medical professionals, right? It's hard to dis- discredit a doctor on the stand. But the defense is going to consult with a pediatric specialist to assess Colby's medical records, and his name is Dr. Spears. No relation to Brittany. That's a shame. She could have used one. <laughs> they first ask if, and please tell me if I'm pronouncing this correctly, an il- ileostomy? Oh, an ileostomy. Ileostomy was necessary, was unnecessary. Dr. Spears does not believe that they have a case for this at all. So how do you say it? An ileostomy. An ileostomy. It's like a, a colostomy. They we said, just make it at a different part. Oh, yeah. He said that it's like pretty safe in a regular procedure. Yeah, people get them a lot. I Correct. get them a lot. But it's like for, it's when you have to have a bowel resection yes. and they literally need to like let a piece of your colon yes. heal. Yes. Oftentimes reversible. Yes. Not always. Right. And that's what they said. They said it like... Colby had gone through all the non-surgical ways to deal with chronic and consistent constipation. So the first thing that you try then is to bypass the colon altogether and give it a break to not do anything for a little while. So then you do an ileostomy. You take and then you see if after some time of relieving the colon, if it'll work again on its own. He said this is a regular procedure for a doctor and that it was a logical progression. It's not risky. It's not unreasonable. And if you're um, – and he also stated, like, you're never going to make a surgeon do anything that they don't want to do. They want to justify everything to their peers, to insurance, or if a child dies during surgery, then they have to go to court and justify their actions. Right. So, like, they're always going to be super careful with every procedure they do on a child. And the ileostomy is justified in this. So then as Dr. Spears is going through the medical records, he's like, I don't know why this is a criminal case at all. That's like the only risky surgery he's had. So it's not like she's making him have surgeries unnecessary. Correct. It's certainly not every child's story, but for a former preemie who's medically restricted, this type of care was completely normal. So this was a win for the defense. Well, the jury like believed them. It's fine. So now they keep showing videos of Colby growing up and he's out like swimming outside with friends and he doesn't necessarily come off of what you would picture as a severely ill child. Like he does appear smaller. Like you know what I mean? He appears a little bit sickly, but he doesn't look like someone with a chronic illness or deathly sick. His main issue was with waste removal. And the worst part of his life was a six-month period of time starting in August September of 2015. He had had three surgeries within eight weeks to help him swallow, digest food, and eliminate waste. But they caused further complications. Which to me sounds like hospital negligence, but whatever. Yeah. So it's at this point where they tell Danita that Colby is terminal, that he needed to go into hospice, and she is completely stunned because he had always come out of, like, all of his other medical issues before, and he was always able to recover. So while they're like, this might be the last time it's um, imminent, he had never gone into hospice. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that was a whole different – palliative care was a different sort of experience for them. But in order to go into hospice, you have to have a medical prognosis that a child has six months or less or less to live. How right. devastating. I know. It's really sad. It's I right. know. I couldn't do pediatrics. No. Could you imagine? No. I just got like the old demented ladies. <laughs> I'm like, oh, sweetie. It's your time. It's your time. <laughs> I was about to say that. 
say that. It's your time. It's your time. It's going to be me in about two months. <laughs> we will get all of our DNR, DNI paperwork formed. Thank you. Yeah, don't worry. So, I got you. So we're now seven months to the trial. The defense is interviewing Danita's mom, who's going to be a witness for the defense. Her mom remembers when doctors came in and said, like, we have to bring in palliative care. And it was a shock to everyone. She was like, the doctors had a plan. They told us they could do this ileostomy and that if that doesn't work, they'll just take the colon out. They never said that if they do the ileostomy and that, like, it didn't work, that that was it. That they're going in and bringing in palliative care. So it just was a whole shock to the family. Like, she just kept saying, like, to us, palliative care is for someone with, like, cancer or terminal illness or for the elderly, like, not for my grandson. So the defense attorneys um, do not believe that Colby was terminal at all. He was severely sick, but the injustice for this was on Colby and Danita's, like, what they feel is, like, Cook's General Hospital really made the mistake. So under... Oh, this is in Texas? uh Uh-huh. Under hospice care at home, Colby developed sepsis, which is a life-threatening blood infection. Mm -hmm. The hospice staff recommended that he be moved to a Ronald McDonald house to see out his final days. Okay, you can, like, treat sepsis, though. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, the Ronald McDonald house had an agreement with a hospice care director like Connie to have a room for loved ones to pass away in, which I find a little wild. Like, I get it. But, like, also to me, Ronald McDonald's house is, like, a place for families to kind of, like, have that safe retreat away from the hospital. And now you have, like, another family in there with their child dying. Yeah. Like, you're trying to have a reprieve and, like, maybe next door is a child dying. Like, I just feel like. I have to tell patients just, like, die in the room sometime. And I have to just, like, be, like, your roommate's dad. Stop it. I swear to God, we have to move patients. I mean, not all the time. Yeah. Not, like, a lot of my patients aren't supposed to die. Right. Occasionally. Um, they are, and until, like, the hospital system is just so overrun right now that, like, I can't even get them a private room, so I'll just, I'll just close the curtains, <laughs> like, wait for the family to come in, it's awful, it's awful, and, like, <laughs> and, like they're like, when my, <laughs> like, I'm so sorry, yes, I'll do my best. I put people in the lounge before, and yeah. the hospital gown and a recliner, I'm like, and don't I'm like, care. I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't want to hang out either. When my um, grandpa's brother died, I was not there, but my grandpa, like, went into the room before my sister, because my sister was, like, down the hall or something, Mm -hmm. and he went in and was like, hey, Joe, like, oh, how would you have for lunch, blah, 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 and he's, like, sitting next to him chatting, and my sister just walked in and was like, Uncle Joe's dead. Like, he's clearly dead, and my grandpa was just, like, chatting with him, like, the day away, and my sister had to be like, uh... I have to get a doctor. I just like ran out of the room. <gasps> I oh. very recently had a patient pass. And so I made the whole, I moved the other patient. Yeah. Right? And so the one room was dirty because they can make them dirty half at a time. And the guy comes out and I go, oh, honey, I'm like, the family's got to come see her once we get her out. I'll, yeah. I'll come get you and then you can clean the whole room. Just do the whole thing out once. And yeah. he goes, are you telling me that lady was dead in there? Stop it. I said, Stop it. you must not be that observant. <laughs> She's gone, honey. Like, you did not have to clean the half of that room. And he's like, I got my eye on you. And I'm just like, it says it. Like, I don't know. I missed it. <gasps> that poor man. I know. I mean. Just a little cleaner, Bob. Oh. Having a day. And he, I was like, having a nap. Day. She was having that dilated nap. <laughs> that forever nap. 
<laughs> okay. So, any hoosie. <laughs> During Colby's time in hospice, Danita is alleged to have starved him. Now, the entire family is key witness to conversations and exchanges that have occurred. Danita's parents were at Ronald McDonald House every single day, and they claimed that Danita did not starve Colby. There was always food for them for him to eat. Danita's father is claiming that Connie is the one who cut it off. She said no food or drink. But even, like, Danita's father continued to bring him food and drinks, like the grandfather. And then on May 4th, Connie wanted to have a family meeting. She said she wanted two weeks um, – oh, she said two weeks ago we thought Colby was dying of sepsis, but that blood infection has miraculously been cured. No, bitch. Those like, were her exact words. Antibiotics? No. Like, you cure mm-hmm. them? She stated that he didn't know how this happened because Colby did not have a full set of antibiotics. And also, like, why not? But. Right. Like, these things are comfort measures, too. Right. Like, you so, don't have to die super sick. Right. So his grandfather's stunned because he's like, okay, here we are sitting vigil around my dying grandson. And then all of a sudden, he's, like, miraculously cured. So when she stated she wanted all of them to leave so that they could observe Colby alone for three days and three nights. This is absolutely bizarre. Right. So when they left that day, Clint and Danita called, like, Danita called her father and was like, no, we're not doing this. Like, we can't leave him for three days. We're going to get Colby. And his grandfather was just like, do what you have to do. So... They went and picked him up and, like, brought him immediately home. Like, they were like, we're not leaving him in your care for three days. So Kanye led them down the path of, like, your child is dying, prepare funeral arrangements. And Danita's, like, pissed because she's like, why did you say my son is dying? But he's eating food. He's doing well. Like, why did we have to leave him? So then we get the full 911 call from Connie. She called to report Colby of malnourishment and she said. From Connie? Yeah. So like at the very beginning. Remember the 911 oh, yeah. call? We're hearing like the whole thing now. So she said that the mother claims her son did, wasn't digested anything and that the mother and father came back to the Ronald McDonald house around 10 p.m. and picked him up and took him home. Danita wasn't returning any of their phone calls and she believes that the boy was in grave danger. So because of this call, two CPS agents arrived at Danita's door and Danita was like, okay, no big deal. There's never been any sort of abuse ever reported before. But in May 2016, Colby was removed by CPS. And a week later, Colton, his brother, was also removed. So Danita didn't know like what they were going to do. And especially she didn't know where her son was. So like having a medically fragile child and not knowing where he ended up is terrifying. Oh, yeah, that is wild. Right? So Danita and her husband, Clint, fought a legal battle for custody of their children. And after nine months, the court ruled in their favor and the children returned to their home. So if the court ruled in their favor, why should she still have these other charges? Drop them all. Yeah. It's, I was maybe quick to judge initially. Thank you. I really don't think this is her fault. because I'm really confused. But the district attorney continued to press, um, continues with the prosecution, and we're three months to the trial. And then the prosecution releases all of their evidence to the defense. So first, their first thing of evidence was like piles, pages upon pages of Facebook posts that they had gathered as part of their investigation. 
So one of them was examples was by Danita praising the Wings of Hope and how Colby had given a speech at this event and how wonderful it was and thanking everyone who had came. The purpose of these posts and them bringing them into evidence is to to portray Danita as someone who 24-7 talked about her son's medically fragile condition to show that she was getting attention from it. But like, okay, yes, but is that a crime? I feel like people talk about their shit all the time on the internet. Right, they do. Got a hobby, A, B. Right. Yeah, it's not illegal, It's though. not illegal, But though. I guess what? It's supposed to, like, speak right. to her. Yes. It's supposed to indicate that she's suffering from Munchausen syndrome by poxy. Well, that Wings of Hope one just sounded nice. Right. Thank you. <laughs> she's claiming that she fits the profile of someone who has it. She's the kind of person who enjoys the attention of having a sick child and will keep that child in that state while exaggerating symptoms and inducing symptoms so doctors will perform surgeries, etc., etc. Now, this is where it gets crazy. Cook Children's Medical Center has a pediatrician considered one of America's leading experts on Munchausen syndrome by proxy. Her name, Dr. Jamie Kaufman. She's claiming at Cook's Children's Medical Center, there is a case management system there. And if there is suspicion of this occurring, Munchausen by proxy, they go straight to her for they go straight to her desk for review. She claims she's reviewing five to ten cases a month. That's a lot. That's wild. And she says about one a month rises to the level of being reported. Damn. So there is this flood of Munchausen syndrome being brought forward by Cook's Children's Medical Center for and in that county. But there's only been like two convictions of Munchausen by proxy in the entire U.S. in like the last year. Yeah, I was going to say so that like, seems like really significant. Right. Like you have to ask yourself if this is so ra- rare, why is there such an overflow in this county? And were they working her up for this before – the trial came right, about. Right, Because then tell me you got people, you're sending every one in every two people right. there and you didn't actually pick her. Right. So because of this doctor claiming like she's the expert on this syndrome, she goes to every court. Like, you know how she said that every month ones gets reported? Right. She goes to court and testifies as the expert. And so far they've convicted five other women of this who've gone to jail. This is wild. Like, what? I don't even know enough. We need a therapist. We do. Or psychologist. Right. And she's not a therapist or a psychologist. She's a pediatrician. That's the other thing. So people are like, wait. Yeah, and the other thing is, like, it's, I don't know, when you get, like, that medically complicated, like, unless, like, you're actively doing a lot of research to figure out what is wrong with your child. right. You don't know anything. Right. Like, you don't know anything. And, like, I feel like you – it gets a little wild, like, in the case of Gypsy Blanchard, when, like, her mom was, like, making her use a wheelchair when she knew she could walk. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there was yeah. obvious signs. She was shaving her head when, like, she didn't have to. Like, this was not occurring in Colby's case. No. You know what I mean? It's, like, wild. So we're now one week to the trial. Since the alleged victim is a child, filming is not allowed in the court. During the first week, the prosecution calls their medical witnesses, four doctors, and one surgeon take the stand. Not a single doctor on the stand said that um, Colby was in pain and that 
that they also said that they did not rely on any soul statement given by Danita that caused them to perform that surgery. So that's a win. Yeah. That's great in their favor. But they still, like, the defense is like, all right, we still have to look into next week and what they're planning. And then week two, Connie takes the stand. She testifies for over two days. This woman is starting to fucking piss me off. Connie's Connie. a fugly slut. Thank you. But the defense is like, it's fine. We got Connie. And they don't really say how or what. They're just like, we got her. And then they moved on, which was, I wanted more. But next up was Dr. Kaufman. She claims that she went through over 11,000 medical records and all of Danita's Facebook posts. And there was a discrepancy. And if Danita, so they were saying like Danita would post on Facebook like Colby has this, this, and this disorder or this happened in the hospital. And she's saying there's a discrepancy between the medical records and what she's actually saying online. So if she's lying on Facebook, then she must be lying to the doctors. And if she's lying to the doctors, she's doing it for Munchausen syndrome. Also, just like have to be smart though. Right. Also, Dr. Kaufman has never met Colby nor Danita. Wow. She's making this assertion from the medical records. Which is crazy because charting is not always. Right. And Danita also, that's what Danita said. She's like, whatever anyone told me is what I put on Facebook. Maybe those weren't always on the medical record. Like what a doctor told me versus what's actually on the record. What they put in their notes. Who knows? Right. So Kaufman is claiming there are 29 instances where Danita lied on Facebook and did it for attention. But like also people lie on the internet all the time for attention. Sometimes I might say, oh, my head really hurts today. I've never had a headache in my life. No. But, like, someone give me attention. But, like, I'll send you a DM. Thank you. (laughs) So the defense then is like, okay, say less. They go through all the Facebook posts and found every time Danita posted and they found it in the medical records. Oh, wow. They went tit for tat. And every single one that Kaufman claims that they couldn't find medical records for, they found. So now we're in trial week three. Um, and the defense then had 17 witnesses come forward and testify in the defense. Then they rest and the jury goes to deliberation. What do you think happened? They deliberated for three days. I could see it. I mean, we've seen these Munchausen cases yeah. are so jarring. I know. That, like, I the can jury, understand yeah. the juries. And, right. like, they don't have the medical background either, right. which, or maybe some of them do. Like, technically a nurse could have been in there or right. a doctor, jury of the peers. Yeah. And, like, but, I don't know. Yeah, like, it sounds like a lot of hospital neglect, honestly. <laughs> not gonna lie. So, they reached a verdict. I mean, they found her not guilty. Guilty. Wow, really? Of starvation and attempted murder. Not counts one and two. But so she wasn't charged with like making up lies to have unnecessary surgeries. But she was charged with starvation and attempted murder. What do you think she was sentenced to? Um, I don't know. Five years. Five? So like not bad. But because due to the nature of the crime involving children, she'll be in solitary. Oh, that's sad. For five years? I go fucking crazy. Do you in think they'll keep minutes. them for five years? And so I feel like that's... Is that like humane? Yeah, I know. I guess. It doesn't matter. Like, I can't even believe that. So here's the thing. I went on to a deep dive of Reddit. 
after this. Yeah. Because I was like, yes, the show that I watch Accused is a very much skewed in like the side of the defense because they're the ones that like you're following the defense's side of the story, right? Okay. So people on Reddit kept saying, I'm very close with the family. They didn't cover like the whole story. She was definitely guilty of Munchausen. Um, we need to go like you, you, none of you would understand. Some people were like, okay, but like what evidence do you have? And they'd be like, privately message me. I can't say it on here. So I'm like, okay, Stop. if you're going to say something, then say it. Would you have DM'd her on behalf of the podcast? Well, this was like years later. So no, because that probably would have been weird. Like, hey, I saw your Reddit post from 20 whatever. <laughs> Just wanted to follow Just up. Just wanted to follow up. Tell me. But then so all over Reddit, people were claiming that Colby died. He has not died. He is alive and well. The spirit lives within him. He is on Instagram. He posted. He looks the same. Like people are like, he is thriving. He looks, I don't, and maybe he is. He just looks but alive. But he looks the same. Like he doesn't look any different from when he was on the show. Like when they showed videos of him on the show or pictures right. from now. So I'm just like, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. But according to inmate records at the Texas Department of Criminal Justice site, so Danita was sentenced to jail on October 17th, 2023. Oh, my God. So she's like – Recent. Yeah. She's serving her sentence in the William P. Hobby Unit, a prison for women in Falls County, Texas. Her records state that she was denied parole on May 25th, 2019 due to the nature of the case but was eligible for parole on April 18th, 2021. According to a Facebook page for Danita, the family members indicated that she would be released on parole on October 1st, 2021. Um, but we, there's no confirmation. Oh, so we don't know if she's out or not? Yeah. So she was sentenced to jail until October 17th, 2023. Right. But she could have been out. So we don't know if she's out or not. I hope. I don't know. I kind of feel like she did not have Munchausen by proxy. I kind of, well, I mean, based on what we have, yeah. which is what they have. Right. I don't think I would have voted guilty. Me either. Like, there was no way, without a reasonable doubt, we knew that she was starving her son. And, like... Or that it was attempted murder. And all the time, like, when people get dysphagia, like, they might make them... We can say, okay, you can't have anything by mouth anymore. Right. I don't know. And, like, a lot of it comes... Like, sometimes doctors are thick, right? Yeah. And not thick. (laughs) But, like... I'll just be like, hey, you know, we keep doing swallow evaluations on this patient. And like yesterday was the sixth day in a row. So now we're on day six of no food, only IV fluids. You know, like how, what, when are we going to have that conversation? Because you know that once you have the conversation, then it's still a couple days out. Right. We have to talk to the family, talk to the patient, blah, blah, blah. Like it's like nothing moves fast in the hospital. Yeah. World, but so you're just kind of like. Okay, well, like, is this what we're doing? Right. Or, like, like do you just think it's going to get better, like, right. tomorrow? And my thing is, is, like, if this really was a thing, he's been in her custody when she was out on bail this whole time, and he seems to be fine. Like, they yeah. showed vid- videos of him eating, like, birthday cake and, like, leading a normal, normal, and quotations, life. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. She wasn't starving him then. Connie. I know, Seemed Connie. like it was under your care that this Connie was occurring. Thea. Constance. I don't know what her whole name is, but... Constantinople. (laughs) So, yeah, that's my thoughts. That's my take. No, I'm with you. I think I'm going to take the same take. You thought guilty at the beginning. Well, I mean, it just sounded like probably... (laughs) But, like, then again, like, we were talking Texas here. I know. I mean, they're going to convict the mother. I feel like You don't have to be smart to 
have a baby. <laughs> I can't. All right, friends. Let us know what you think. Jump into our DMs. Slide into our Facebook group. It just makes sense. Podcast discussion group. You can follow me at Sam Smith Says on Instagram. Where can we find you? You can find my OnlyFans at <laughs> Grapefruit. Um, grapefruit, whipped cream, titties, um, toaster, englishmuffin.org. <laughs> I can't. Bye. <laughs>